0: try and talk about C.D. Lamb as a potential breakout candidate in 2022, but I'm pretty sure it's going to get deleted because it's impossible. Do
1: you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and nerds all at once. I am one of those skeptical of status quo. and to the bone, no doubt about it.
0: Sometimes I grind my Excel sheets. Sometimes pour cold water on heat.
1: When the mask's not adding.
0: So about half the top 12 wide receivers are new players, players that have never finished inside the top 12 every year. The lowest year we've seen in the last 10 is 2018, I think, when three players actually broke out for the first time in the top 12, and the last time before that was 2011. It's fairly uncommon that we only see three. We, on average, see around five, and six should be a pretty reasonable expectation most years. The commonality between all of those, the one that is actually more present more often instead of random thresholds, is that the majority of players who break out into the top 12 for the first time are actually third-year players. Not all the time, not every player. We capture about 40% of all top 12 breakouts just using the third career year. How often does it happen? Pretty much every year. Again... We see top 12 breakouts every year, very regularly, on average around five, six is a reasonable expectation. 2022, based on a historic trend of the last three years, we can actually start expecting a few less, but year over year, especially in Dynasty ADP, we project fewer and fewer. Well, not fewer and fewer, we just project too few. For example, right now in Dynasty ADP, we're projecting two top 12 breakouts, Um, in uh, the year of our football, twenty twenty-two, and that's T. Higgins and C. D. Lamb, who I'm getting to. I swear. Um, over the last three years, we have seen five, five, and six top. 12 breakouts I believe and in fact the tendency of all three of them because we're seeing two new strong classes come in through that time uh, young wide receivers was top three in draft capital because they're actually more common so if you're looking for something in terms of a trend at wide receiver players playing outside their third career you're actually with less draft capital tend to be the areas we should expect regression or some extra hits that we haven't been seeing over the last three years now that doesn't predict it and that doesn't suggest when it may happen but that trend is probably going to come back close to the norm because the consistency of again who breaks into the top 12 is actually fairly uh good uh for overall football statistics it's about 22 percent variation according to coefficient of variation and um, uh, since 2012 or 2009 i forget when i ran the numbers from um, so we should expect it to be fairly consistent, um, and even though players outside their fourth career year with lower draft capital are much less likely, there are repeating trends over a twenty-year cycle. If you don't get bogged down in the three-year cycle that most dynasty players tend to think, and they shouldn't. Um, so if you're looking at 2022 and thinking why why CD Lamb not break out, it's because honestly we've had a high level, a high number of hits over the last three years in his particular position, both in his third career year, which doesn't happen every year by the way, since 2009 it happens about 61.5% of years, at least one third year player breaks out into the top 12, uh, 6 out of 10 years. Um, that's the most common wide receiver breakout except for a player breaking out into the top 24 for the first time in their second career year. Interestingly enough the second career year is also almost as common as the third year breakout. We actually see a lot of second year breakouts happen um, on a year by year basis as well. That's not quantity that's just whether one happens or not and those two are actually the most likely breakouts of any kind except a running back breaking out in this first year inside the top 24 I guess would be more common but that's a threshold we don't overly care about so those are my concerns for cd lamb now i've been told i care about his points per game too much i've been told a lot of things about why i like cd lamb but i had cd lamb ranked inside the top 12 um, at the start of the off season and since then a whole lot of bad and good arguments have come in here's the thing they have mostly been um concerned with both his situation and and his overall production so far. Now, those are two very good things to argue about, but i found the only way to assemble a common group is to go through career year and some mediocre level of production thresholds. In fact, just by saying top 36 season before it happens, you capture about 70% of all breakouts historically year over year by career year. So if they've had a top 36 season, they um, are in that 70% group. And as you can imagine, a lot of players have, well, not a lot, actually, surprisingly. But um, a lot of players who don't have top 12 seasons break inside the top 36, and it's fairly low threshold. Recently, we discovered you can actually use a points per game threshold, especially if you filter an average for players that play over 8 games and then break out at around about 10-11 points, and that gets you close to that 70% to 30% hit group as well. And the reason that's interesting, not because I care particularly about the points we came in the top 36 season, is because uh, you'll know about 30% of breakouts are never predicted by their previous production, which is good to know that no matter how you want to filter or what you want to look at in statistics or on tape, probably, to get to the more likely breakouts, you're probably going to throw at least 30% of them away um, and they're very hard to track down because they don't have commonalities in the most breakouts. So there is always hope for all players and that's something I've tried to incorporate into my new breakout common breakout uh, percentage um in the in the I put it in the projections sheet I believe just so you can see some level of how common their breakout would be this year and by breakout I simply mean producing a higher level of points than they have previously so if they've had an earlier breakout and finished inside the top 24 that's a good thing that means they're slightly more likely because of production trends it doesn't mean they haven't broke out to any threshold ever before or that I don't like them in fact In order to get good scores, you have to have produced better earlier than most players. All right. Just going to point that out. Um, All right. So that's the layout. That's why um, CD Lamb is... Somewhat uh, of the best breakout candidate at the wide receiver position, as wrote as what we know about breakouts year over year. Not only is a third-year breakout into the top 12 incredibly common, but CD stats, CD Lamb stats, line up very well with players that break out into the top three in any career year. The only way you can actually make him look like an uncommon or less likely breakout using the statistics is to filter it down to such a small group that you're essentially fishing for a small hit rate group. But let's go back to those two categories because after you've got a decent group if you just filter by that by the way you get a f- relatively small group that often you find undervalued players in last year. I did this for DLF last year and we found Deontay Johnson and we found Debo Samuels both who broke into the top 12 last year for the first time. We also found Marcus Brown who broke into the top 24 for the first time and Terran McLaurin, who's kind of a miss but at least maintained top 24 production. So even just using those filters you still get a pretty good floor group of players especially if you target the ones that are fairly undervalued in that group i recently wrote this up for dlf with a wider lens and not just the third year uh, as well if you want to check that out and i think i put some stuff that up on patreon as well so i don't care about its necessary stats like i like thresholds and i like some minimum level of Players over this are seventy percent, and players under this are thirty percent. But it's not like that thirty percent group doesn't matter because they still happen. Which is why I started to increasingly incorporate the negative group, with the, even those small thresholds, into it because they do happen, and you don't want to entirely throw them away. Because um, pretty much any player, especially they has established some level of production before, has a chance to produce higher um, throughout their career, um, a lot further than you'd think. Um, But the two categories I hear C.D. Lamb argued about a lot are both his production um, and his situation. Now I'll point out I'm not using any particular threshold to say that C.D. Lamb is more likely. I've been told I'm too interested in points per game. I've been told, like I said before, that I like him just because he's young. I will say this, I had him ranked overly high in Dynasty because I'm playing Dynasty, and Di- CD Lamb is a prospect early in the off season, when I ranked him third overall at the wide receiver position is because there are some shots you don't want to miss. I fear not being in on it more than I fear missing if I take it. If CD Lamb breaks into the top 12 this year, his value substantially uh, solidifies as a very young player in the top 12 and um, who just broke out and is therefore in the much more likely to repeat group because repeats themselves account for um, close to half the group and then you've got repeat players as well. So if they take a year off, there's always a chance for a player to come back. And that's why Team Old Guy and stuff like that works. So if you can do that, even Juju Smith-Schuster who broke out in his second career year, not the most common, but the second most common, into the top 12 and um, most have substantial future dynasty value and upside Um, most and that's managing risk you go for where most things happen especially when people aren't expecting it those are my favorite takes Um, i get the cd lamb hate right now because he's overranked in um redraft and dynasty because he's such a common breakout Um, And I think people have highlighted the fact that his situation has changed and his production has been really, really decent. And then they argue about whether it's per game, yards per run, whatever the magical number they think determines whether a player can break out or not. Because I think both of those categories are important, but I think we get overly fixated on whether you're over or under a certain number. The ultimate question is, did they show an ability to co-opt volume substantially? And did they perform well on that volume? Now, one of the things I do like to say is that players break out at their level. If players establish their job and then finish in the top 12 or the top 24, you're probably seeing the best insight you're going to get to predict the future and what their likely upside is. Migrating into higher levels of production isn't typically how it works. You know, break out into the top 24 in your second year and then the top 12 in the third year. In fact, third-year breakouts um, are about 50-50 on whether they've had a top 24 breakout before. Again, players tend to break out at their level. But we don't have to talk about it in this vague terms when we get into a very specific situation and a very specific player. Has C.D. Lamb co-opted volume? Yes, he's co-opted a 70% target share, which is both said with shade and not shade, depending who you're talking to. But he corrupted a 70% target share with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup on the roster. And I'm not adjusting for vacated targets here. I'm just considering the situation. Is that substantial? Well, how substantial is it to Terrence Marshall who went to the depth shot with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson? And everyone laughed me out the room when I said Robbie Anderson's pretty good. He'd probably have a higher role than Terrence Marshall because I don't like his rookie profile. And it happened. How about Ronda Moore, a player I liked, just to show I'm not biased, with Christian Kirk... He just decided that was the year he's going to break into the top 24. And we expected DeAndre Hopkins. Not great, right? Relative to high-level, high-prospect players, C.D. Lamb has been one of the exceptional few, with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup on the field. Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen split the work as well, and it seems away from Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs has a much higher ceiling. It's not that target the offense the the offense doesn't balance around the players on the depth chart it's that you can accept that a player is reasonably more talented or able to develop a larger role than most players in a given situation so you have to adjust to that context I'm not overly concerned about a 70% target share and honestly if you look at the average of top 3 or top 12 breakouts The most common target share is a 17% target share, between 17 and 19. Now, if you look at just first-round picks in their third year, it's decidedly over 20%. But most first-round picks who break out into the top 12 in their third year haven't been sharing the field for two years with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. Now, uh, Devontae Adams had a below-average target share before he broke out which fits a pattern I've talked about before where he got the job and immediately broke down to the top 12 in his third career year. But he did have a 20% target share per game the year before and actually scored uh, 11 points per game in my sophomore model, suggesting that he'd actually perform fairly well on a per attempt basis. But again, here we're arguing whether you're over or under these arbitrary numbers. And I think it's worth zooming out a little bit within the context of an individual situation to note that the number is important that you're over or under a certain threshold or that you compare well or poorly to other players who've broken out is important but i think arguing as if these numbers are magical you didn't get uh, you know over a 250 ppr points you didn't go over 20% is to try to argue from the macro in the micro to put it one way. In other words, the questions at hand is is he co opting volume at a higher than expected level in his situation and is he performing particularly well on it? And the answer to both is yes. Given his situation, I think his target share is more than reasonable considering other high level prospects thrown into a competitive target share environment and he's still co opted volume to the point that we had three viable wide receivers on Dallas at one point and his quarterback is still good. I do think that offense is going to regress a little bit with the perhaps decline of Zeke. Not so sure on that, but perhaps. Um, or at least the inclination for the Cowboys to run more often than it is to pass, which is really where they seem to want the most of their offense to be still. And the loss of Amari Cooper, I do think that offense can restrict. That would be my other concern on the situation front. Not that, you know... He didn't hit a particular number. Overall, he has co-opted volume. I think he should be the lead wide receiver, the lead target getter on the offense and can increase his 120 targets to 140 range. So the other question is how well has he performed on it? Good. Is the answer. He's averaged like two yards per route run. I know everyone loves that number. Um, And also, fairly good considering the context of Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup being on the team in a yards per team pass attempt basis, which is where I typically go to. So, the answer to both questions, even if they don't meet some magical threshold which you think makes you guaranteed to know who's going to break out, is good. Compared to T. Higgins, who's often the counterpoint to C. D. Lamb, he's drafted a few spots and still ranks 7th overall in Dynasty and in the top 12 in redraft as well. It's not like either of these players are undervalued, although it is probably easy to get a trade on T. Higgins right now, and yeah, I'd recommend doing that. I think both are the most likely top 12 breakouts, typically, in any given career year, which is where we're going to cycle back to the trend later. Um. Anyway, where was I? Uh... Yes, his rank. It's third overall in Dynasty, I think, right now, and it's at least top seven, seven or eight in redraft. Again, it depends which source you're using. Essentially, he's still ranked in the top 12, and he's probably overranked. But the reason is that repeats are actually more common. Despite projecting, like, an abundance of repeats and reemergence or return players in 2020, we're still ranking players that finished inside the top 12 last year outside the top 12, like Deontay Johnson, and I would consider them more likely. But that is also true for T. Higgins. So the the counterpoint I hear a lot is that if C. D. Lamb if if T. Higgins is ranked here, then C. D. Lamb is ranked too high. Well, honestly, if you like T. Higgins, then you are making the same bet as anyone like C. D. Lamb is, and both are overvalued if you draft them above Deontay Johnson, if we're talking about things that actually have signal. I think what's happening a lot is people are seeing a very popular take. That is a gamble. There's a strong risk in a third-year breakout because, again, I've mentioned the two that I would have the most. One, we've seen a lot of wide receivers break out in the third career year. And because I can't predict the future, but I just know that things do tend to regress around an average, that does concern me, that maybe we've seen way too many young breakout players inside the first three career years with high-level draft capital break out over the last three years that could be a sign that we should expect that trend to change um, next year over the coming year. Um, And also because I do expect uh, offensive regression, even though I expect him to be the number one target on the offense. Those were reasonable concerns without arguing about a magical threshold number that the numbers accurately project while ignoring the fact that at least 30% of breakouts are never going to filter into any of these categories that we're arguing about ferociously as if they're all 100% if you just believe mine or theirs. T. Higgins and C.D. Lamb essentially make the same... Uh, bet in 2022 in terms of their likelihood of projecting into the top 12 or finishing the top 12 in fantasy in 2022 after that is a read of their situation and honestly there is no particular number you could use that suggests one is going to be better than the other jamal chase is wide receiver one in cincinnati i actually do think that but at the same time i know there is risk in that too that t higgins has been good and could turn out to be the wide receiver one or both could finish inside the top 12 again it's possible C.D. Lamb could struggle to gain as large a share of the offense as someone like Amari Cooper, who didn't finish inside the top twelve every year. He got that, he he got that uh, level of target share. C.D. Lamb can move up in targets because he's now the number one and has shown the capacity to establish that role for himself. And the team offense just regresses, or he's not able to maintain his efficiency on those targets. There is. Even if we get it right, we can get it wrong in both cases, and we're arguing over things that we definitely can't have full confidence in, where you definitely have to make a decision whether we believe one or the other. And it's fair to say that T. Higgins is cheaper, therefore get T. Higgins, but both are too expensive in terms of how likely they are to finish inside the top 12, even after the most likely top 12 breakout candidates. And that's before we get to A.J. Brown or even Juju Smith-Schuster who will be return candidates or even Jarvis Landry at much lower value. So if you want to make a value argument over T. Higgins... Then, since they're both in the top 12 and both fairly expensive in both redraft and dynasty, in fact, what you're saying is you should draft neither and you should fade to these lower-drafted players that have actually finished in the top 12 last year, like Deontay Johnson, or are much more likely to return into the top 12 because of that return rate, like A.J. Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, even Alan Robinson makes a case for that, and also Jarvis Landry. Now he's been signed by the Saints. And... There are some arguments. That Julio Jones and uh, Odell Beckham are going to sign places, and they would have a case to make even in their career year to get into that return rate percentage. Return rates uh, occupy occupy about sixteen percent of the overall top twelve on average year of a year, and um, third year wide receivers breaking in uh, actually occupy about ten to twelve percent overall on average of the top twelve at the wide receiver position. So actually. While T. Higgins and C.D. Lamb are the most likely to break out for the first time, we're going to see probably four or five, and there are only two prospects... They're not both 100% guaranteed, and they're fighting for only 12% um, of the overall top 12 because they're third-year players. Well, it's the most common. It's not representative of that of that entire 50% of the group. It's representative of 12% of the group, whereas there's return rate players represent 16% of the group. So yeah, AJ Brown should probably be a drafted ahead of both, unless you're delving into those player situations. RC if you want to say CD Lamb has performed badly. I think you're just trying to prove something we can't know for sure. I think he's performed very well. I think T. Higgins performed very well. I think we know AJ Brown's performed very well as well. And um, peering into the de- murky depths of who is more talented and therefore that matters or which situation is going to be better honestly feels like trying to say you read the future. And um, as long as both are being heavily drafted over other players that have once very recently been inside the top 12 and are in a situation where they could get back into it and also being drafted over players that finished in the top 12 last year, both are very risky gambles at the current ADP. But they are both the most likely to actually do it from a dynasty lens. You almost can't afford to be out on that, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I prefer CeeDee Lamb because everyone hates him because it's popular. Um, last year, I for Deontay Johnson and Debo Samuel because everyone hated it because it was unpopular. I don't know. My Twitter world is a weird place where sometimes I'm the contrarian and sometimes I'm the popularist. I think everyone else moves around me because I have the exact same process every year. It likes who it likes and that's who I say I like. And everyone else swings around based on betting on what's popular because it's risky. But both of those are actually very risky picks this year, especially considering ADP. Further... And like I said, spiraling back to that trend argument, they're the other players that filter into a pre- relatively, I mean, actually extremely close to T. Higgins and uh, CD Lamb, especially when you, you filter for the recent trend in draft capital and career year. Just give all of that a little tack on and to maybe predict regression a little bit in 2022. Devontae Smith going into a second year. Second year has actually happened too much over the last three years. But. Because of his production, it's actually fairly likely, and so is, in fact, more likely, is Armamore St. Brown and um, uh, Donald Mooney. Cause both have lower draft capital both are still playing within that three-year window where most wide receivers break out like 30 percent of top 12 breakouts represented in the top 12 happen within the first three years not to mention 40 percent of all breakouts happen before the fourth third year so they are still within that window as well although one again is in the second one is in the third career year because i'm right she already started last year god bless him so all of those are discounted if you're looking for lower-value breakouts. Instead of arguing T. Higgins over CeeDee Lamb, you could argue Deontay Johnson and A.J. Brown, who I think A.J. Brown is still being drafted below one or both of them. And Deontay Johnson definitely is, so I'll go with it. Um, or due to Schuster, for that matter, way below them. And so is Aramurai St. Brown and Devontae Smith. And if you just adjust to the recent trend, they make pretty good cases to be as likely to be one of those four or five breakouts that happened this year so i think the anti cd lamb argument is that they see a lot of people making that risk and too high in the top five wide receiver so they're making uh taking the same risk inside the top 12 and calling themselves smarter for it actually they're both just as unlikely and while T. Higgins does come out of value, if we're talking about the value of the upside, I think both Donald Mooney, Alamroth St. Brown, um, and Devontae Smith, certainly in terms of a soft floor at least, um, make better value arguments. Now, if you really want to lean in, because I do, I I like this, um, to players outside the fourth career year with lower draft capital, the very top of the list, once you filter it for that, in terms of how common is a breakout once you adjust for this trend, it's actually Kendrick Bourne for the New England Patriots. I like that a lot. Again, it's fairly unlikely he doesn't represent a very common hit, but if we're really leaning into the trend of what's happened recently, so... This subgroup of players with lower draft capital playing outside their fourth year. Honestly, um, uh, Kendrick Bourne sticks out out quite a lot. As does Jacoby Myers on the same roster though, I should point out. I've just always been a Kendrick Bourne fan because it's been too easy to lean into Jacoby Myers because... Touchdown, regression, and also he was the most likely to co-op targets last year. But Kendrick Bourne has always come in a discount at this point. He's on all my dynasty rosters, so I'd absolutely love to see that happen. Um, Outside of that, Tim Patrick, Russell Gage, Alan Lazard, uh, Marcus Valder, Scantling, although we're talking in the 7%, represents 7% of all breakouts once you weighed all of this in at this point. Um, Braxton Berrios, Byron Pringle, and Cedric Wilson, God bless him, Um, all exist as fairly uh, common breakouts once you just look at that group that's been not hitting very well recently over the last three years. Despite Amon Ross St. Brown hitting inside the top 24 last year, those later career year, later draft capital players have been hitting slightly less often, especially in the top 12. Um, I also happen to have... Now, the other name I've kept up the list to this point, because I've actually sent out a few trades, managed to add him for relatively little. And again, we're talking about non-common breakouts here. The C.D. Lamb and T. Higgins are the most likely. Second, third career year, all the draft capital positive production trends. But these guys, once measured in, plus and minus, and just looking at the group that is more likely to hit... Based on regression, not more likely to hit in general. You've got Jacoby Myers. You've got uh, Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne at the top of the list. Uh, Tim Patrick's in there too. And so is Alan Lazard. If you want to make a situation argument for Green Bay, there's, you know, he represents 7% of common breakouts once you adjust for all these different trends, Yeah, and 30% of breakouts literally never measure in to most ways of looking at breakouts. So, yeah, sure, especially if it's ADP, it's fine. But one that I hardly ever hear anyone talking about is actually Marcus Calloway had... Down, damn near a 700-yard season last year. He's playing on the Saints as well, talking about the Jarvis Landry take I mentioned earlier. Um, he's going into his third career year, um, which is a 25-draft-adjusted uh, um, breakout year, if you would just breakout year by draft capital, because he is an undrafted free agent, and this is actually a 25% hit year. Um, He's in a negative points-per-game group, if you hate points per game a lot, I've actually dinged him a lot for that. But he actually falls in right between Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers. So for cheap, if we're talking about value, I think there are interesting prospects as well. Um, anyway, let me know what you think of the video. I think it's interesting that those arguing against CeeDee Lamb will often bring up T. Higgins. honestly we'll both make a very reasonable um, argument to be the most likely breakouts in the top 12 for 2022. And it's all about whether you can read the situation better and honestly that gets too close to trying to predict the future for me I kind of like both situations both one's a good team what's a team on the down regression but I do think a player with a good quarterback still can make a lot of hay in that situation as well so I don't hate either situation I think both players uh, deserve to be <laughs> based on their performance and also whether in their career the most likely hit grip again and um, yeah Last year, using the exact same process, I was Team Contrarian. This year, I'm Team Popularity. Um, I really recommend just finding a process that you find that works and is based on something relatively real without being very stringent on, uh, on at, frankly, points per game or just points or just target share thresholds, and just look for commonality between players. And then go looking for the value. Cause that works more often than not. Don't worry about whether it's popular, don't worry about whether it's unpopular. Just go all in on a something that you find to be a solid process. And this works for me. My words, but again, you can read about it on DLF, you can read about it on Patreon. So yeah, thanks for checking it out and I'll talk to you again next time.
1: Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go, clicking a poll, Twitter with gold, player on phone, so Jake on the table and Ape on the plate, no. though. Deed enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars Dropping bombs without no borders, dick got that eye, eye, like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore I am at a crossroads Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so Jake on the table and they on the play. though. Pete Enumerates, it's the plays they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So Jake on the table and they on the play. though. Pete Enumerates, it's the plays they're analytical.